Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I am faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where ritual comes in. They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. Whether I'm in Aruba swimming in the ocean or in Sweden walking the chilly fall streets, my skin can always use a boost of moisturizing nourishment. That is why I use Kapari's beauty line of products made from 100% organic coconut oil. Kapari makes multitasking skincare and body care products that are free from sulfates, silicones, GMOs, or parabens. Their lightweight sheer oil works great as a face moisturizer and a makeup primer. The coconut balm with aloe is intensely soothing and their coconut body glow lets you keep that summer shimmer going well into fall. For head-to-toe hydration with a beach smell that won't quit, nothing beats Kopari's Organic Coconut Melt, the ultimate multitasker and my favorite addition to my nightly ritual. With Kopari, you'll feel like sweet summertime never left. Kopari's coconut oil is the highest quality. The aroma is light, texture is totally smooth, and you can apply it everywhere, knowing that you're giving your body safe, pure nourishment. Say aloha to the best skin and hair of your life with Kopari. Go to koparibeauty.com slash yoga to get 20% off of your first order. That's kopari, K-O-P-A-R-I, beauty.com slash yoga for 20% off. Koparibeauty.com slash yoga. Hi, and welcome to another episode of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. Today, I have a super amazing guest on the show joining me from afar, Trevor Hall. If you don't know Trevor already, although chances are you probably do, he is a singer-songwriter, a roots folk and reggae artist, guitarist, and may I say so myself, an absolute poet. What this man creates with his writing and guitar is nothing short of magical. Working alongside amazing artists like Jimmy Cliff, The Wailers, Ziggy Marley, and more, he's had several successful albums, but is now releasing his very first independent album, The Fruitful Darkness. Welcome to the show, Trevor! (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for having me. Can you tell how excited I am to have you on the show? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if I can live up to that introduction. (laughs) <laughs> I, I I think you already have. So I have um I have a long history with your music actually, mm. which is which is uh, it's it's deeply personal and really exciting for me to to have you as a guest. 
the very first yoga class that I ever taught, which is, I don't know, 10 years ago now, I played one of your really early songs in Shavasana. Mm. What song was that? Lullaby. Oh, yeah, that's like super old school. You went back. I went back. I don't even know how I connected with, with your music, but it was, yeah, I have this big, like when I think back of my first kind of proper class that I ever taught with people and music, and then I chose that song for Shavasana, and it was really, for me at least, a big step into what would become my purpose and my my passion. Wow. So without knowing, you have a, a big piece in that. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I want to start in kind of journey back. So speaking of of, you know, purpose and, and, and passion. Mm. Was music something that was, has it been ingrained in you since you were little? How did that path start out? Yeah, well, my dad is a musician. My dad is a drummer. Um, so growing up, like, there's pictures of me, like, in my diaper, like, <laughs> you know, playing <laughs> the drums and stuff. Um, but music was, you know, it was definitely there from the very, very beginning, um, and I remember like as a, as a child, like some of my, really some of my childhood memories, my dad had this big, um, like record collection in the hallway. And as a kid, I would just like, you know, kind of explore through the collection and, um, I'd pull out a record and that looked cool, you know, and I'd like put it on the record machine and I'd just pretend to like, then I'd go out in the living room and pretend I was like, you know, playing the song like with my air guitar and stuff <laughs> but so, so I definitely had this like weird like um like I don't know just like from very very early this just kind of inc inclination to perform and play but I didn't I never really like it's interesting and people I say this to people sometimes they think this is weird but I I never was like you know I want to be a musician you know, or I never was, like, aspiring to, like, you know, release albums and all this stuff. It, it was, music was just, like, life for me. And um, it was, you know, ever since I was a kid, it was my way of um, expressing myself. And it was like a medicine for me, and it still is now, you know. So I wasn't really thinking of it as oh, I want to, like, do this for my life, you know, it just kind of happened, you know, I just started writing songs, and then I remember for my 16th birthday, my dad surprised me, and, like, brought me to his friend's studio, and I got to, like, you know, record songs for the first time, but even then, you know, I was just doing it because it was what I loved to do, it wasn't because, like, this is what I see myself doing in my life, um, yeah. So I was just kind of following my heart, you know, following my heart, following my heart. Still, I'm following, my, trying to follow my heart, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of how it all started in the early days, you know. It's just from, just from my my dad and um, and that's yeah. So beautiful. Are you still? Is he still um, an inspiration to you, your dad? Oh my God! Yeah, he's. We call him the Jammer. That's his nickname, and <laughs> he's jammer. more of a rock star than me. Like he, he like loves to get on stage. We bring him up on stage. You know, if he's in this, if he comes to some shows, he gets on stage and he sings and he plays. You know, the drums and the crowd just like 
they cheer louder for him than for me. It makes me upset. <laughs> <laughs> but he's he's just he plays like even at home. You know, he's like I, I, he's like a little over sixty. I think he's like sixty two, sixty three. But every week he like plays at the local like beach club and. Um, he's got his friends, you know, where I grew up, where they all played together out. So he's he's such a rock star. That's that's so amazing to to hear. Yeah. So the the local beach club, because you're from South Carolina, right? Yeah, yeah. But from South you're Carolina. an island island boy. I didn't know that there were that there was yeah. a beach vibe kind of in, in South Carolina. Okay, I'm not American. I'm I'm Swedish, and I'm not super great with geography. But no, no, it's fine. Well, it's how, fine because even even when up? people when I tell people I'm from South Carolina, they like really you know because like you said, I grew up on an island which is all the way at the bottom of South Carolina. So it's not so much like I guess I think when maybe people think South Carolina, they think like Southern and like. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? This was, it was more of a resorty type of tropical um, kind of upbringing. Um, so, and I think that's where the, I think that's where like my influence of like, kind of like reggae music and, you know, surf music, because I grew up surfing on the island. So that type of acoustic kind of surfer music, reggae music, um, I think that's where I kind of got my influence from from that in that way. That's that's amazing. Yeah, that's not what you associate South Carolina, or at least for yeah. me, up until now. <laughs> I, I live in Aruba, so here <laughs> we have that beach oh, vibe yeah. too, but it's definitely Beautiful. different, I can imagine. But yeah. I think it's so interesting the way you, you just shared a moment ago, so... Um, th that this was not a career path for you. It wasn't mm -hmm. something that you had in your mind as, okay, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. going to do this when I grow up or I'm going to make this, a, you know, make a living out of this or you right. know, become a superstar. Um, it's just, there's a really different energy to that, I, I right. find. How yeah, do you, well, how, do you I, think, think? I think even now, you know, like I said, um, I mean, you know, obviously things have changed a little bit now, you know, because you you grow up and you realize you have to make money and um, support your family and this type of thing, but it's still very much the same. You know, music is a medicine for me and I need it. I need it so badly to to live, you know. I need it to soothe my heart and my brain and my body, you know. I, I need it to talk to, you know, the spirit. You know, that's it's like my telephone. You know, so it's it goes way beyond just a career. Um, so even if I wasn't publicly performing, I would still be doing it every day because it's it it's it's the thing that helps me um, connect. You know, it's like my life breath music. Mm. So it's very it's it's different in that way. It's not so much trying to become a star, although I'm blessed to be able to do this, you know, for a living. Um, but the intention, it goes much deeper than, you know, doing it for a living. It goes much deeper than that. Yes. And even though, because I know yoga and meditation is also a big part of, um, yeah, of your lifestyle and of, of mm. also how you connect that with your music. Was that the case even when you were that young, when you were 16, or was that something that you were able to connect with at a later stage? 
Uh, it was a little later, like when I was younger. Um, you know, I grew up on this island, but I grew up in kind of like a little bit of a close-minded uh, community. Um, I went to a prep school. You know, I had to wear dress code, this type of thing. Um, you know, the the island is very like it's very touristy so it's like very popular with golf and like tennis and everybody is kind of doing the same thing not so much not it's not so much focused on the arts you know um so growing up there music was uh i i wasn't into so much into yoga at that time i was i was more into like punk rock you know because mm-hmm. I wanted to be different. I wanted to break out. I, I, I knew that this wasn't, you know, the only way to live, you know. I wanted to be free. And growing up, you know, you know, when you're 15 or 16, you hear this punk rock music, you know, and you see these people, these bands that are jumping around, and it, it that represented kind of freedom for me, you know. So I was very much into, like, the punk rock stage. Um, and then something happened where I, I i don't know what happened but i went through a change i started surfing more i started um being out in the ocean outside and um that became this kind of spiritual connection you know and at that time you know like jack johnson had just kind of come out with his big album and ben harper was these are the people that i really looked up to and they started to represent that freedom in a different way, you know, with being in the earth and and making this music and giving back to the earth and fighting for a cause. And those things started to inspire me. And that kind of started started my, I think, my music, my, my musical style changed into more of a spiritual conversation rather than this punk rock which can also be obviously very spiritual, but um, it started to change at that point. And that's when I started getting into yoga a little more, getting into meditation and surfing, and the music kind of took a, a different attitude at that point. I can see that a little more, maybe a little more gentle than the, the punk rock. Yeah, scene. yeah. <laughs> Although I still love to listen to some of those old albums are just so good <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's so it's so special because I feel like you really have a, if you ask anyone specifically within the yoga community and I think the mm. yoga teaching community uh, I don't know a single yoga teacher that doesn't have a special place in their heart for Trevor Hall like really oh, really around the studio here. I, I have a studio here in Aruba and I said, oh, I'm going to have Trevor Hall on the podcast. Everyone started freaking out. Oh my God. And they had so oh. many questions that, oh, that's because so we, cool. we really, cool. <laughs> but we play your music every day. And it's, it's, uh, for me, l- lyrics is such a big piece of, of the music mm. that I chose to play in yoga class also for um, connecting to a deeper level of emotional healing and being able to really mm. ground and, and settle. And you do that so well mm. so I so well it. i don't feel like it's me you know i feel like like i said it's i'm i'm playing what i'm hearing you know i'm playing what i'm hearing i'm listen. i'm a listener too you know so these things come in these things are healing me these things are talking to me um 
So I'm just repeating what I'm hearing, you know. So it's it's special like that. Super special. Well, if we if we uh, journey back to that that 16 year old, because that's mm. how old you were when you recorded your first album. Is that mm. true? Yeah. Is that album out? Can we listen to it? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know if I want you to <laughs> listen to it. Um, I know my dad has it. My dad has a few copies, but. I don't, it's not like out publicly. I mean, it was like, you know, it was originally, um, it was a gift from my dad and we printed, you know, a few hundred copies as, as a thing to give to like our friends, you know, our friends and our family. It, was, it wasn't meant to be like a thing to like get me out into the world, you know. Um, I remember it was called Elements of Peace. <laughs> That's so beautiful. And I had this I love photo that. on the cover that my mom <laughs> took, I think, of me out by our swimming pool. <laughs> But it was it was oh definitely the it was definitely the beginning, you know, and, and the way it kind of it went from there is, you know, I gave one I sent one to my dad's best friend who lived in LA. And he was so he was so close to our family that I called him uncle. I called him Uncle Brad, right? So I looked him, on him as my family. And he was in L.A. and he was an actor and he was kind of in the scene. And um, and I was I was going out to California that summer to um, go to the surf camp in 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 Southern California called Endless Summer Surf Camp. And when I went out there, he said to me, he said, oh, you should, you should play a show in L.A. And I said, no way, I'm not playing a show in L.A. Like, forget it. Like, I, I, didn't re I hadn't really played a show ever, you know. So I, that seemed so intimidating and all this stuff. And I didn't want to, you know. I wanted to surf. I wanted to be a kid and <laughs> surf and, like, have fun, you know. And he said, no, no, you should play a show, you should play a show. And um, he somehow convinced me to do this show. And I played at this small Chinese restaurant in What? L.A. It's called Genghis Cohen. It's still there. And they have this, like, little, like, room. Like, maybe you, can't, you can only fit, like, some 20, 30 people in the room. And I... I went and I played a show, <laughs> but that's that's, so, that's kind of how it started, do. though, because he invited so many of his people that were kind of in the industry, and that's where I met my first manager, and it kind of started something, and then I flew back to South Carolina, and you know, I talked to my parents, and they thought, you know, hey, maybe you should try to follow up with this, you know. And I had a fun, I had a good time. So I thought, okay, you know, but that's, <laughs> Because that's it was fun. that album, that first, you know, 16-year-old album, Elements of Peace is what kind of started the whole wheel, I guess. That's beautiful. But did you end up staying in LA because you went to, um, mm. didn't you, did you study there as well? Or was it just... Yeah, well, surfing? that's what's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know your stuff, you're good. But that's, I know, that's, I've, I've that's done research, I'm very proud. <laughs> Yeah, that's how it started. I I had um I had gone back to South Carolina and we started looking at uh, art schools, boarding schools. I was only a freshman in high school or something like this. And we visited um this school near LA called Idlewild School of the Arts. It's a beautiful, beautiful school a couple hours outside of LA. 
uh, this international arts boarding school. There's not many international arts boarding schools in the in the country. And because that one was closest to L.A., we thought when I'm not at school, I can go to L.A. and work on my music, all this stuff. Um, that's what we chose. So I went. I ended up going out there in 10th grade, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, and I lived out there. And then in the summers and holidays, I would go to L.A. and kind of work on my music. And I studied classical guitar at the school, and it was that was like the start of like kind of my formal training, um, and that's kind of how it how it began. And then my senior year of high school, that's when I signed my first record deal with Geffen. Um, because I, I read this somewhere, I, c- I can't remember where, but it really uh, it it struck a chord with me because my my brother, when he was he wasn't a freshman, he was let me think. I think he must have been 18. Mm. He uh, left Sweden, where, where we're from, to move to LA to study classical guitar there. Gotcha. As like a young, young, uh, just a kid, really. Uh-huh. And then he's still there, still still living, breathing music there. But I know how much dedication goes into um, yeah. classical t- guitar. It's absolutely like the hours a day that he would spend yeah. just practicing blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it it was it was really in, it was intense because I didn't I didn't know how to read music. You know, I was just self-taught kind of, I you know, um up until that point, but I, I didn't know how to read music. I didn't know, you know, anything, technique or music theory or anything. But I had the most amazing amazing guitar teacher um who's was is like a brother to me. His name's Michael Kuturka and he he just was so just amazing, and I think that's what made it um, so enjoyable. And I became very passionate about learning, and it really affected my songwriting and helped open a lot of doors, you know, in my mind. So it was a special time, real special time. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. I love baking, especially in the fall and winter seasons. Being able to use ingredients that my body appreciates makes my cinnamon buns so much sweeter. That is why I use Bob's Red Mill. Every product from Bob's Red Mill is minimally processed at their stone mill in Oregon, and it's the highest quality. Their foods are packed with flavor, so you get nutritious food that tastes amazing. Go to bobsredmill.com today and browse their huge selection of premium whole grain goodness so you can taste it in every bite. Use the code YOGAGIRL and receive 25% off of all products. Bob's Red Mill makes it possible to nourish myself and my family every single day. And in turn, I support an employee-owned company that has been offering organic, gluten-free, and stone ground products for decades. For anyone with gluten allergy or celiac disease, all Bob's Red Mill gluten-free products are processed in 100% gluten-free facilities to ensure no cross-contamination. You can feel safe and confident with Bob's Red Mill. Remember, Bob's Red Mill is offering a fantastic offer for all From the Heart listeners right now. Use promo code YOGAGIRL at bobsredmill.com for 25% off of all products. Stock up on gluten-free, paleo, and vegan products from oats to flowers and even meals for a healthy family and happy hearts. Visit bobsredmill.com for 25% off your entire purchase with the code YOGAGIRL today. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. 
That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. I always thought that either you have... I mean, you have a musical gift and you can learn to play an instrument or you don't. And I would definitely mm. be on the not the don't side of, of the spectrum. Mm. But according to my brother, it's definitely something you can have a gift, but you can spend, you know, hours and hours and hours really learning mm. um, the history behind what you're doing and the philosophy and also practicing the technique, which is something that he, yeah, my brother spent seven to 10 hours a day doing for the past, I think, decade or, or more. Yeah. So it's really living and breathing this this art, it becomes bigger than, at least it is for him, and it sounds like it is for you, bigger than the music. It's just... Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Part of... It's like, it's like yoga in a way. You know how you... Yoga mm. is not just the hour or two that you spend on the mat every day, but it's something that with time and practice, you take off the mat and you take into everything that Absolutely, you do. yeah. It becomes one with you. Hmm. And what about your first taste of I guess commercial success when did when did that happen my first taste of commercial success I would um, I think I would have to say when we when we signed the deal you know um, because you know the whole time I was at this boarding school anything that had to do with the arts was an excused absence you know, they, they supported it. It was much different than my prep school, you know. So anything that had to do with my career or my music or anything, they 100% supported and they, you know, so the whole time I was at school, you know, I was flying to meet this, you know, president of this record label in New York and then I'd fly, go to L.A. And, you know, I was just a kid. I was just having fun, you know. I was like, oh, this is cool, you know, whatever. Um, but then my senior year, it kind of got serious between Geffen and Columbia Records, and we were kind of going back and forth, and it was like, oh my God, like, this is happening, you know, we're going to do this thing, you know. And I signed the deal, like, at, towards the end of my senior year. Um, and so when I graduated high school, I moved to L.A., and it was very, you know, it was a lot of bright lights and, you know, exciting because I, you know, they kind of lay out this thing for you and, you know, you get all this money and you're just like, whoa, this is like crazy and I'm 18 and I have, you know, my own apartment and I'm in L.A. and this is, whoa, and I'm going to record this album, you know, it's just so exciting, you know. And but it was quick that that joy, that excitement yeah. was very brief because, um, like I said, I was 18 years old, living in a city that I didn't know anybody. And, 
yeah, I had all this money, but I was too young to have that much money, and I was just burning through it. And before doing I doing what? It, were you partying? Were you out? Were you? No, I couldn't. Hot. I couldn't go anywhere. I was yeah. You, oh yeah, old. you were I eighteen. Couldn't, I couldn't get into any bars to meet people. <laughs> so right? what did you do? Where did the money go? I just smoked a lot of weed and <laughs> watched TV and was lonely. I was super uh-huh. lonely, and I sp- and I had this huge apartment like right on the beach, which was stupid. Like I never lived by myself. You know, so I had no idea what I was doing in this apartment, but it was all—it was all a mirage. You know, I learned quickly that this is all just a mirage, and this is not going to make me happy. And it was a beautiful lesson. It was an amazing lesson, you know, but I had to go through that to just figure things out, you know, for myself, and I had to grow up really quick. You know, and um, eventually I ran out of money and I had to move out of this apartment, this big apartment, and I got dropped from the record label like all three of years that later. At, at the same time. Uh-huh. Yeah, all Did of you still happened. have I a... didn't have any, I didn't release any record on the label. I, I recorded two records for them and they both got shelved, right? So I couldn't release them i couldn't re-record the songs nothing and what was that music like was that music was that deeply heartfelt for you was it did you pour your soul into something and then it wasn't released or was it yeah absolutely it was it was all my music i poured my heart into so Mm. it it was if the most frustrating thing i think of the whole thing was you know you know i grew up in a small town and you hear these, the you know, you hear these like horror stories of like the man of the record industry, and you know, and then you're like, oh, that that can't be that true, you know. And then you go out there, and then it happens to you. <laughs> it's <laughs> you know? real. So it was, it was the worst part about it was having somebody else control my music getting to people. That's what I hated. I didn't care about the money. I didn't care about any of this. It was all these people that wanted to hear music from me, and I had the music. It is there. But because of some guy who doesn't even know my last name or whatever, sitting up in an office, doesn't like it, it's not going to make it's not going to go to anybody. That was the part that really crushed me. So when I actually did get dropped from the label, three years later, you know, being on this label, um, I was ecstatic. I was so happy. I said, well, now I can do whatever I want. Now I can release, now I can, you know, let people hear this music. But that whole period was kind of a, it was kind of a tough time for me. It was, it was uh, just really lonely and confused and just kind of just drifting, you know. Mm -hmm. I didn't know I didn't know what I was doing. I so. feel like the universe tends to tends to do that for people with a really specific passion and purpose. You know, it's you're going to have that big moment where you have to decide what's going to define me and, and, right. and how I continue to bring this purpose into the world. Is it going to be this path or that path? So it's kind right. of having that so early is, 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 is must have been a big blessing in the end. Yeah, I mean, I went through it early and... I just knew after that, I was like, I never want to do this again. I never see myself 
on a major label or I never want to have somebody else control how my music or when my music like this is released to people. I didn't want that anymore. So it was good in that sense to teach me quick and also to make me grow up quick, you know, being so young in the city and stuff. I definitely had to learn quickly. So it, it was a blessing in that regard. Hmm. And then what was the next step after that? Did you still have, you had a yoga practice, a meditation practice at that time? I had a little bit of a practice, but like I said, I was young and I was smoking a lot of weed and was just kind of being a kid, you know, a little bit still. And But I, 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 I definitely had a deeper hunger, you know, I always have a deeper hunger, you know. And the next thing that happened really... Well, well, during this time, during this kind of lonely, super lonely time, right, living in L.A., um, I had a teacher um, from my school, from Idlewild, from my boarding school, who while I was living at the boarding school, um, he, he, was a, he was a yogi. And he would teach me meditation, and he, I really looked up to him. He was like my role model. And he was a devotee of the Divine Mother. And he came down one summer, I remember, and he's, oh no, sorry, forgive me. While we were at school, uh, my senior year, he said, one weekend he said, I, I'm going down to this temple, right, uh, in Southern California, and I go down there for the weekend sometimes to meditate and sit. Um, and if you want to come with me this weekend, you can come. So I said, yeah, that's amazing. I was starting to kind of get interested in in this, you know, philosophy and stuff. And I went down with him to this temple, this Kali temple. And I was super, super um, moved by this place, right? So that kind of was... that kind of left an impression on me after we left and then I graduated but I was still thinking of this place so anyway I'm in this it's summertime I'm living in LA like I said in this kind of drifty period and he calls me and he says I'm going down to the Kali temple there's a big puja a big ceremony mm. and these priests from India are coming are flying in and you should come And I said, no, I can't come. I have things to do, you know. And he said, what do you mm -hmm. have to do? And I said, I have a yoga class that day, something like that. He said <laughs> something stupid. And he said, he said, this is real yoga, he told me. He said, this is real yoga. You should come. So I said, oh, okay. Okay, it's the whole weekend, whatever. I'll go down. And I went down to this festival, this Kali festival, and it just blew me off the map my heart exploded i felt like i had i i can't even explain the the feelings the the feelings of familiarity of love of community of like it just totally blew me away blew me away mm. and i came back to la more lonely you know because i had just experienced this whole community of, of people right so after that, I began to drive down to uh, Laguna. This is where the temple was. I, I would drive down to Laguna um, like as much as I could. 
to see Ma, to see the temple, and to be with all the monks and the devotees. And I began to uh, kind of become like, it became, it became like family very quickly, you know. And I became fascinated with uh, the Divine Mother, and I became fascinated with India, and it all just started to, to, to flow. And when I uh, lost all that money, when I um, blew through all that cash, I ended up moving down there to Laguna to be near the temple. And, you know, and then I got really, really broke. Then I like literally had like a few hundred dollars to my name. And I told them at the temple that I'm in a bit of a situation, you know. <laughs> and they said, um, well, you're here every day, right? Why don't you just stay here at the temple in the ashram and until you get back on your feet, right? And there's no pressure. You can stay two days. You can stay two weeks. You can stay however long you want. But, you know, we're here for you. And until you get back on your feet, just stay here. So I How thought, okay. Beautiful. Right? So I moved into the temple, and I didn't leave for seven years. <laughs> seven years? Jesus. Yeah, something like that. Seven or eight years or something. Um, so what that was, was, what was a regular day? In, that was also a uh, hidden, in, hidden blessing. But that's when, that was a kind of long answer, sorry, but... Um, no, it's my, it's beautiful. The music, everything started to change drastically. It really started to take on this. The, the music was the, the the tool to like journey inside, you know, and explore my spiritual, you know, life and um, to talk to that inner space and to communicate with something that was beyond me it just it just took a huge huge turn you know um a lot of it became a you know devotional and talking about ma 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 so it 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 was different it, that was what really that that was a big catalyst thing that happened there and were you able to kind of in daily life in in the temple were you able to also take up space in that practice with your music so what, did that become a regular part of of the day kind of you or was it more of a of a personal individual exploration of your music like i'm envisioning you there um kind of holding space for other people maybe for the first time with with your music i think that it just you know they were so they knew i was a musician when i obviously moved in and or even before that, you know, they supported me. They still support me 100%. And they knew that I wasn't a monk, right? They didn't ever put any pressure on me to become a monk or anything, but they knew I had this strong spiritual inclination. But they they didn't force me for to anything. They Rather, they constantly supported the music and the expression and... and um, so while I was there, you know, I would participate in, obviously, prayers and ceremony and stuff. Um, but then, you know, I would stay up till three in the morning in my room, you know, recording music, you know. 
And um, they, the next day I would come into the temple and I'd say, I recorded a new song. And they'd say, oh, let's play it, let's play it. And we put it on the speakers <laughs> and we'd let Ma hear it. And um, it became like a, a rhythm, you know. Um, so it was, it was just like the music and the temple life. It, it, there, it was no, there was no different. It was no different because music was my puja. Mu- music is my ceremony. And they they encouraged that anything you know like that, so it became just one thing you know which was really beautiful and special and um, yeah it's magical. And did any of that music end up uh, released on an album? Oh, ever? absolutely! I mean, so lots many, of it. Ah. So many songs I wrote in my little you know cabin there in the garden you know mostly everything and there's still you know so much music that i've written in there that hasn't been released yet you know so um so many albums and so many ideas and songs were born from that place and and continue to be born from that place because that place is always with me so it's it's just a beautiful i guess journey in that regard yeah, I, I love this, yeah, the connection of creativity with with making space for yourself in that way. So with mm. whether it's through, yeah, through puja, through ceremony, or um, like Jack Johnson and surfing, or mm-hmm. whether it's through yoga, like we all have our own way to tap into that creativity. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. I love a delicious glass of wine. It's one of my favorite ways to wind down from the day or kick off the night. That perfect yummy glass enhances the moment. Wink understands this. It's why they started their own company to give you access to exceptional wines from all around the world so you can have more of those delicious moments. How do you select your wine normally? Do you always buy the same bottle or blindly grab whatever has an interesting label? I have to admit, I have my few go-to bottles, but Wink has opened me up to new wines that I absolutely love. There are over 10,000 varieties of wine grapes grown around the world. Why limit yourself? Wink will send you varieties that you never knew even existed or ones that you didn't even know that you loved, with labels beautifully designed by local artists. Each bottle truly is a unique work of art, both inside and out. Wink works with your taste preferences. Wink will even introduce you to new, rare, and custom wines that are not available anywhere else and tell you the story behind each one. Just go to trywink.com, take a brief palette profile quiz, and Wink will recommend distinct and interesting wines that are customized to your palette, shipping them directly to your door every month. All of Wink's bottles start as low as $13, bottles that would retail at $20 or more. You can get high quality wine for nearly half the price with Wink since they work directly with the winemakers and have taken out the middlemen. There are no membership fees. You can skip a month or cancel at any time. And Wink has a 100% satisfaction guarantee, so you never pay for a bottle that you don't like. Right now, Wink is offering listeners $20 off of your first order when you go to trywink.com slash yoga girl. That's trywink spelled T-R-Y-W-I-N-C dot com slash yoga girl to get $20 off of your first order right now. Trywink.com slash yoga girl. I know there's a lot of, a lot of people listening, I know, and a lot of people out there that are constantly struggling to find that place. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe feeling lost or feeling like um, if I don't have mm. a very clear purpose in my life, mm. uh, I don't feel purposeful. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Do you have any advice for a, for a person maybe in that space that hasn't connected to that place of source yet of how to mm. to find that for themselves because it's such an, a vital piece um, mm. I think on our own journey. Yeah, I think it's a huge vital piece. I mean, it's funny because even even with all those things, those blessings in my life, I'm still trying I'm still every day trying to connect. You know, trying to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, but I think that the most important thing in one's, you know, or life or journey or one of the most important things is, uh, or two things, I guess, is sincerity and longing. I feel that these together are the two like main ingredients that you put into your heart and you lay it down at the feet of that supreme, you know, being that's within all of us, that's within everything. And if you're sincere, you know, in your journey and and you're longing for that connection, that place within, then that Uh, that being or thing or whatever you want to call it is going to reveal itself to you in some way, right? It's it's that being is the mother of all of us. To, in my you know, in my view, that's my attitude. Is the mother right? She's the mother of everything, so she's always going to provide for you. You have no fear, right? The problem is when we I think we forget that. We forget that we that there is that being, or we forget who we really are. We f we forget what's really inside of us. We take ourselves to be just oh, my name's Trevor, and I'm from South Carolina, and I'm a musician. It's like no, no. What are you beyond that? You know what is beyond? What who is the one beyond behind all your thoughts and behind all your feelings? Who are you really? You know, who are you really? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Going deep, 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 deep. We forget who we are. We forget we forget what's within us. And I think that is the... This whole, at least for me, this whole journey is just me trying to remember who I am. Mm -hmm. And the music, the music is what helps, helps me find my way back to that place uh, beyond all this... I guess, you know, ever-changing duality, you know, this type of thing. Um, but if I was saying, if I was going to, you know, give somebody some advice, I mean, I don't know if I can give any advice, you know, I'm still so young and stupid. <laughs> but I think that a, the really important thing is longing and sincerity and really, you know, asking deep, deep from your inner, inner heart, you put that forth, then that that answer must come to you. And that guidance must come to you. You just have to really, really, you know, call from your heart and keep your eyes open. Um, and that's what is going to help, you know, help you find your way, right? The heart yeah. is the most important thing. The heart is the the most important thing. And so we have to act from that space, that inner space that's within everything, within all of us. That is what's going to guide us. And it, it may not manifest, you know, it may not manifest as something externally, you know. Uh, it may manifest as an inner call, you know, 
an inner answer, um, an inner remembrance. Yeah, something it's not like always that. what we what we think it's going to turn out to be. Mm. But this resonates with me on such a deep, deep, deep level. So mm. I have a I have some really amazing teachers within a movement called Path of Love mm. that originates from the Osho uh, mm. culture. And uh, within Path of Love, the idea of the the process of Path of Love, there's three pillars or three cornerstones to that, and it's. Uh, exposure is the first one, which has everything to do with um, seeking out your own wounds or your mm. own darkness and healing mm. what needs to be healed and, and, and moving into exposing, shedding light mm. onto the dark. Mm. And the second one is longing, mm. really, that, that longing to really, yeah, to step in and manifest what you're here to do, mm. that big, big longing that, that's bigger than everything. And the third pillar is prayer mm. and connecting mm. these three to really put us on the path of love or on the path of, of creation mm. and it's it's so beautiful to hear you say that that longing for me was that was a big piece at least in my own spiritual practice realizing that i i spent my whole life really with this longing to to heal mm. wow. and that's that's a big part <laughs> of my huge, journey, part. At least. huge part huge part yeah. And I love how, I think that's why also I feel so connected with you because in, in the classes that I teach and it's, it's you know, bigger and more vast than, than the idea or the Western idea of, of yoga or, or meditation, but mm. music is such a huge component to, yeah. to that when it mm. comes to helping people unlock and go a level deeper and mm -hmm. shed some layers. It's just, um, yeah, I find myself in every every class that I teach, I'm always DJing and, and picking after, after the vibration in the room and what fits here and what, yeah, what can open yeah. or, or move deeper here. Mm. Music is, uh, it's, it's, it's such a healing, yeah, it's an instrument of healing in a really, in the, every sense of the word. Absolutely, absolutely. So from there, how, because I mean, eventually we, the world got to hear your music, right? And we mm. are blessed with your music now. Um, you, you were able to find a nice middle ground. Am mm. I right? Between that commercial, super, you know, big record label success and mm. maybe a re recording at the ashram. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I had found a middle ground. I, I was definitely struggling, I think, um, because... I was, I, you know, you, you, you still at that time, even, you know, I still had people telling me what type of songs I needed to write, you know, and, hey, you got to write a song that's going to get on the radio and you got to write something that's relatable and, you know, all these things, these just stupid things that driving me crazy, you know, it, it was, um, and all I wanted to do was kind of, you know, go deep and um you know use the music as a tool for healing and um wasn't really wasn't really concerned with what was on the radio and if my music was on the radio but you know you still have these influences of all these people telling you these things and um so it was a little bit of a struggle 
not a little. I mean, it was still, I was still struggling to, I guess, find my voice, I guess, you know. Um, and I ended up signing another contract uh, with a smaller label, in like a, a nice indie label called Vanguard. And um, I had recorded a couple albums on there, and that was really really beautiful to actually, you know, get music out there. And that's when I started to, I felt like I was starting, you know, my career, which was really nice, you know, because finally I've, people have some of my music and I can play shows and people can know some of the songs and, um, but still, you know, it was, I was still so young and I was still trying to find my style and my voice and trying to, like you said, keep the balance, I guess, of having these really like spiritual, I guess, songs, you know, and having people trying to tell me you need to write something else or making them relatable. It was still kind of like very weird, you know. Um, well, yeah, it's not easy. I yeah. mean, <laughs> those two voices, it's, 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 I think every day that's hard to, to balance. Yeah, yeah, it's an everyday thing. Yeah. So yeah. it was. Like, just, do I go for where success is or where money is or do hmm. I stay true to who I am? Mm hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that we just, even have to make that distinction. I think it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard. Yeah. So, yeah, that was happening and, um, and then I, I recorded an album called Everything, Every Time, Everywhere. It was my second album on the Vanguard thing. And then I was getting burnt out. I was starting to get really burnt out. I was, I you know, I had been touring since I was like 16. You know, I was always on the road. And it was starting to catch up with me. And not that I was doing anything crazy on the road. I wasn't a partier or anything like that. It was just a lot of travel and a lot of performing, a lot of late nights and not, you know, good food. And it was just all starting to catch up with me. And it became, it started to not be fun anymore. It started to become work and like, it started to become just, just kind of, like routine or I don't know it was just something was not clicking and for did the you first ever long to just be in one place oh my god just... are you kidding me <laughs> I long to be in one place right now <laughs> I don't know some people some people are just like that like they love to flutter all the time I don't know yeah well I like I like to move I like the traveling I like all that stuff but I also you know I'm kind of an introvert I like to um just kind of unplug and and um, just kind of cleanse, I guess my uh, my field, I guess. And when you're on tour, it's just constant people, constant moving, constant just no space to kind of um, I don't know. It's just it's just. Interest. It can, it, if you're not, if you're not, uh, you know, taking the necessary steps, I think to make sure you're centered, it can just sneak up on you, and just it was just getting to me at that point, and I had been doing it for so long, like just 
just on the road, just in the you know car for hours every day. It was just a lot, and my health started to kind of break down. And I was young, you know, but I was still. It was just starting. I just didn't have the energy anymore, and and like I said, I just it, it, I mentally wasn't there. And for the first time ever, I said, I I, I need to stop. I need to take a break. And I didn't really know how long that break was going to be. You know, I honestly didn't even know if I was going to, like, come back and play. Like, I was really in a At all. Low, low spot, low, low, low spot. I just wanted to stop. I just wanted to go somewhere and kind of just be by myself and hide and just, like, sleep for like a year, you know, <laughs> and eat my own food. I just was, I was just really burnt out, really burnt out. Um, and it was right at that time, right before I made that decision that I met my wife. And, wow. you know, I had been alone for, I don't know, I'd been alone. My last girlfriend was high school, you know, and then I was living in the ashram. So I was, I was, I hadn't, had a girlfriend for like, you know, I don't know, like seven, eight years, you know? <laughs> so I was rusty. <laughs> and then I Very met, rusty. I met, um, I met my wife and right away, just right from the beginning, I just, I felt this nourishment, you know, I felt this um, gentle hand, you know, a, a part, a teammate, you know, a partner. I didn't have that before because I was just kind of like lone soldier, you know, on the road, and um, it was just difficult. And I just found this kind of beautiful angel to stand beside me, and we could just support each other, you know, in in our what a journey. different life. I'm sorry. <laughs> just to what a different experience of life. Different, must have been totally after different. That. I never even thought mm. ever I would get married or anything like that. I just thought it wasn't possible with my lifestyle and like this. Um, and then I met her, and then we got we. I I took the decision to you know take time off, and I literally just stopped. I literally was like, I'm stopping. And my wife and I, we got married at that at that time. And her her uh, her parents had a place up in Vermont, up in the up in the woods. And we decided we need to just unplug and we need to go spend some time there. So we just went there, and I didn't pick up my guitar at all, and I just slept and read books and ate home-cooked meals um. and watched movies and just kind of really just didn't do anything. And it was so beautiful. I mean, we would just go on long walks in the forest and just be just be quiet, you know, just be quiet. And it started to really heal me. And eventually, you know, I picked up my guitar and I wrote a song, you know, whatever. And I recorded the song, but I never thought, oh, I'm I'm writing a new album. Nothing like that. It was just 
I'm I'm really making these songs for my own healing, or these songs are coming to me for my own healing, you know. So I would make a song, then some time would pass, and then another song would come, and I'd record that song, and it would happen like this. And after like a year, I had like, you know, these 12, 13 songs, and I thought... There was oh, an man. album. <laughs> I thought there, I have... I said I can't keep this to myself. Right? Mm-hmm. This is this helped me heal. Maybe it'll do the same for somebody else. I have to I have to release this. And that was Chapter of the Forest. And ironically that album when it came out, like I I recorded all that, you know, at uh, with by myself. Um and then we took it to a studio and touched it up and made it presentable, you know, for the album. But I none of those songs were in the least way, you know, for um, the public, I guess, or for, like, the radio or for nothing. I had no pressure. Nobody was telling me what to do. I just no commercial purpose. The, nothing. I, those songs just came straight from Ma, straight to my heart, helped me heal. And that was that. And then I released... So when I released the album, I was a little bit nervous. I thought, oh, gosh, I hope this isn't too, like, slow for people or what or anything. And ironically, that's that's one of my most popular albums. Everybody that I yeah. talk to, all my fans and family, everything, they all say, oh, Chapter of the Forest. Chapter of the Forest. Yeah, I, this is my favorite album of yours by far. Yeah. I know it just because of how many of these songs that I play in class. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how I know that this is a favorite. Yeah. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it's mine too. It's my favorite too. So that's what, that was a huge lesson for me because I felt like I was just really coming from a super pure space and my heart was open and I wasn't really concerned with any type of commercialism or anything. I was just trying to come as honest as I could. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it was a really beautiful experience, super beautiful experience. And then I really, you know, I felt a lot better. My health had started to improve a little bit. And we kind of continued and Kala came, you know, a year after that. And um, that is where I was at. I, I forget your question. I hope I just didn't keep <laughs> No, I, I think we, like we went, we, we. No, it's good. This is this is this is beautiful. Um, a, a question relating to that album. So one of my favorite mm. songs of the chapter of the forest is uh, "Oh Haleakala." Mm-hmm. What's the what's the the kind of origin of that song? Mm. So that song I wrote. We when my wife and I got married, we took we went on our honeymoon to Maui. Um, and she has a lot of fam- family there that's been there for like 30, 40 years. So we decided to go there and kind of have a special, you know, time there for our honeymoon. And when we um, were trying to figure out where to stay, we asked one of her family members, hey, where should we stay? And they recommended this place that was right below Haleakala. And Haleakala is the is the crater that is on Maui, the volcano on Maui, and Kala means sun, so it's house of the sun, right? Oh, I didn't know that. And I, when we were there, I immediately felt like this just 
this conversation, you know, with this, with this uh, land, you know, with this volcano. And I just felt like super grandmother, super, super grandmother vibes. And while we were on our honeymoon, um, I was, we were staying in our little place and I picked up the guitar and that song just came out in like five minutes. You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes songs take like an hour, sometimes songs take a year to write, but the song just popped out. And it was just this beautiful kind of conversation uh, with Haleakala, with her, and and um, and it kind of speaks about a little bit about our time there and what we were thinking about, and um, so it's very much spoken from that land and that place. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful song. Me and my uh, husband, we got engaged on top of Haleakala. So I no, have you really... didn't. Really? Yes, we did. We oh, did. my God. That's a good place. Kudos to him. Yeah, kudos to him. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, my God. That's like, you know, we moved, we lived We lived there for a winter after Chapter of the Forest. Right before Kala, we lived there. And, and whenever, man, whenever I was just feeling anything or even if I wasn't feeling anything at all, you go up to Haleakala, you go up to the top, and she just, she just clears it. I have never seen, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely incredible. I've never seen sunsets like that in my life, anywhere Mm. on, on earth. Never, Mm. never. No, it has such a, such a special place in my heart. So I always, yeah, super, super connected there. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. So I know now you have a a whole new journey ahead, right? When it comes Mm -hmm. to albums and making music and uh, with the Fruitful Darkness. Mm -hmm. Do you want to share a little bit about that? How did that come? So from Vanguard and and, and making music in that way, this is your first independent release. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the Fruitful Darkness, yeah, it's my first independent release. And... um, it is born out of kind of a tough toughness, like tough period. Um, I the last couple years, last two two and a half years, um, I really went through it physically and and emotionally. Um, I really had some serious problems with my health in the beginning. You know, about two years ago. Um, we were, like I said, we were living on Maui, and um, right before we left, I got really sick with a staph infection, which made me, I had to cut my dreadlocks. I used to have long dreadlocks. I had to cut my dreadlocks. And, and how did that come about? How do you, I, I don't know much about staph infections. I was, I, I was, we were on Maui, and it was our last day, I remember, and we were, about to fly back to the mainland then to fly to uh, Australia for a big festival and all this stuff and I got a staph infection and the staph infection kind of uh, it wasn't being cured by like the medicine I was taking Um, so the antibiotics like weren't working and so I had to be hospitalized and they had to put me on like this serious, serious like medicine through an IV, and I was in the hospital for like eight days, and we had to cancel 
all these plans to go to Australia, and it was just like really low time. And then the staff started to spread to the back of my head, and they couldn't get to the staff through my dreadlocks. So they said, you have to shave your head. So I had to shave my head, and I just, it was just, I was so sick. I was so sick, and I had no energy to do anything. And I was just stripped of my energy, but then I was also stripped of my identity. You know, hair is hair, it's whatever, but, you know, I had taken a vow not to cut my hair for a certain period of time, and and it became, you know, like my identity, the the locks. And I had to cut them, and I, I just felt like I wasn't myself at all. And things that I kind of based my life on, you know, these ideas and... Uh, things that I based my beliefs and life on, they all seemed so far away. And I seemed like I had no connection with them at all. And it was just really dark time, just dark, 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 dark time. Um, but at that time, I um, I was introduced to an astrologer named Deborah Silverman. She's a famous astrologer. And... I, a friend of mine had gifted a session with her. They wrote me and said, hey, we want to gift you a session with this astrologer. She's amazing, all this stuff. And when I read the email, I thought, oh my God, I really don't want to do this. You know, because <laughs> I'm a spiritual guy, but I don't really like any like hocus pocus type stuff. You know, like I want like the real, you know, thing. And uh-huh. my perception of astrology was kind of like, oh God, you know, it's like, whatever. You know, but my friends had gifted me this thing, and I didn't want to say no. I didn't want to be rude. So I said, okay, yeah, I'll do it, you know. And um, I remember I was on tour, and I was sick, you know, not feeling good. And we were in Orlando, I remember. And I called her from my hotel room, because she does it over the phone. And I called her from my hotel room, and she just blew my mind. Just blew my mind. She told me everything about my health. She told me when I got sick. She told me, you know, why that was according to the planets and and what that meant and what the universe was trying to tell me and slow down and, you know, all this. It just totally blew my mind. Like, I learned so much about myself in that hour, you know, and, and learned so many tools about how to work with myself, you know, in that hour. It just blew my mind. And I remember I got off the phone, I called my wife, I said, babe, you got to call this woman, I'm telling you, you got to <laughs> call this woman. So she called her, and she had the same experience, and it was just crazy, it was just so crazy. And was it, a reading of your, like your entire chart? Or? Yeah, the reading of my chart, right? And she told me, and I called her, uh, she said, you know, this is so interesting, you're calling me at this time, you're, you're entering your Saturn return, that's what she said. Uh-huh. And I had no idea what that meant. I said, what's Saturn return? And Saturn return, it hap- everybody goes through your Saturn return. If from, from the main one, like 28 to like 30, around that time. And it can be a really tough time. It can be a really tough time. But it's, it's, Saturn is the planet of life lessons. So it's, it's trying to teach you something, you know. And she said, it's very interesting. You're calling me this time. This is your Saturn return. She explained to me about my Saturn and all these things. And 
I became fascinated. I became fascinated with astrology. I became fascinated with that connection of the stars relating to our personalities. And it it was just very interesting. And I learned, like I said, I learned so many things about my journey so quickly, you know. So I, I went, I entered this period, this Saturn return, and it was awful. It was so hard. It was awful. I, it was I know, so yeah. hard. I mean, I just, <laughs> I felt completely in the dark. Is the best way I can describe it. I just felt like I was in the dark. Things that, like I said, things that I really kind of staked my identity on. I just felt no connection. And I just felt stripped. I felt really stripped, naked, and in the dark. And, um, but wasn't it nice though to be able to connect it? Because I had that same experience where yeah. I kind of thought astrology is something that you know, yeah, a little mumbo jumbo type, type thing. Right, but I had right. someone read my chart for the first time, and it was just unbelievable how much sense it made from like big, yeah, yeah traumas and like could pinpoint Absolutely. exact ages of my life and things that happened and also mm. kind of why and what it related to. Uh-huh. So for me, whenever I had a really challenging something and I could connect it, okay, like this is not forever. That was right, something right. that was nice for me. Like Saturn return, like it's not, <laughs> right, it's not right. everlasting. Right? Yeah, I know we take those things to be, it's going to last <laughs> forever. And I always think, have you ever seen that YouTube clip of a, a little kid who like, he got his like wisdom teeth pulled out or something and his dad like YouTubes him after yeah, the, he's like or on video drugs tapes him and after the, and he's yeah, on like yeah. the and he's like, Is this gonna last forever? forever? Yeah, that's, how, that's how I kind of feel over in those dark periods, you know. <laughs> so yeah, I was definitely like in that state of like, is this gonna last forever, you know? But I started to, so I started to study the astrology. I started to study astrology with this uh, astrologer, Deborah, and she became kind of a godmother to me and my wife. She just became this, uh, just elder for us, an auntie, you know. And um, I really learned through my own chart and what you know, my destiny and all these things of of going into the dark and. Um, and and uh, making friends with that place rather than trying to push it away and to not avoid it and to stare it right in its face and say, what's up, you know, and shining light on that and then bringing that back up into the light, right? And this is kind of like, um, they say, like the shaman's journey, Right, the shamanic journey is these the shamans they go into they go into the dark, they go inside and they befriend their demons and they befriend the poison within them. That's how they say. And this by befriending them and not pushing them away and listening, these this poison becomes nectar and these demons become friends, you know. And it's a very interesting journey, you know, and I started writing all these songs about this journey of going within and 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 into the dark and into these places that are uncomfortable within and um into the void and the you know these types of things and trying to make your way through you know and 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 traversing the space 
you know, and bringing it back. And that's what I started writing all these songs, all these songs, all these songs. And I knew that my al- my next album was going to be based off this journey, you know, of astrology and and spirituality and going within. And I knew it was going to be so different because it was just a, a, a really intense period. But I still didn't know what I wanted to call it. I still didn't know how am I best to describe this journey, you know. And uh, we were in a bookstore. My wife and I were in this bookstore. And we were just looking around, whatever. This was like a little later. And I look at this book. It's, it's called The Fruitful Darkness. And I thought, man, that is a cool title. Hmm. I'm going to buy this book. I didn't even really know what the book was about. I was like, I'm going to buy this book, you know. And I took it home. And I just kind of put it on the bookshelf with all the other books. I didn't pick it up right away. And my wife picked it up, and she read it first. And as she was reading it, she said, Oh, my God, love you. You have to read this book. This is like, this is the journey. You know, and I'm like, what? Like, really? She's like, yeah, this is the journey. And then she said, I can't believe that Roshi Joan, who's the author, wrote this book, and we got to meet her. And I said, wait a second, what? Like I didn't even look at the I didn't even look at the author really. I didn't even put it all together. And about a couple years before that, while we were living on Maui, we went to Ramdas's house one one day and he was having a conversation like a live like webcasting with this Zen nun named Roshi Joan Halifax. And we got to meet her and talk with her, and it was, like, really beautiful. And I put it together. I was like, oh, my God, she wrote she wrote this book? I didn't even know this. You, you didn't know. know. I didn't know it. No, I didn't know it at all, at all. I didn't put it together until my wife told me. So my wife finished the book. She was like, this is one of my favorite books. You have to read it. I started it, and I was like, oh, my God, this is this is my journey. Like, this is, like... Or it's not, you know, my journey, but it's this is describing like that journey of going in to that space, the fruitful darkness. This is it, because the book is all about all the shamans that she has met over the years from so many different cultures, from the Huichol in Mexico to, you know, Tibetan Jankris or Nepali Jankris and shaman. It was just an incredible, amazing book, and I thought, man, like. I have to call my album this the fruitful darkness, you know, but it she wrote it like I don't know, like I need to ask her permission, obviously, but uh. I don't know what she's gonna say, so I got her email and I wrote her, and I explained the whole thing, and can I use the the title and it was so funny because she wrote me back like the most zen like Cohen <laughs> answer, you know she's like, "Dear Trevor." You can you can use the title if you want, but in my opinion, I don't think you should use it because it will be confusing for people. But if you want to use it, you can use it, but I don't <laughs> think you should use it, but I'm leaving it up to you. So I was like, Ooh. okay, was that a yes or was that a no? Was that a yes or a no, yeah. So I ended up writing her back and I said, I can't think of another title that this is what's really speaking to me and I'm going to, I want to use it for the album. So that's how the, we got the title and, um, that's what explains this next chapter of our music and the next project. So, 
have you been able to play any other songs for her? Because I feel like that I would haven't be yet. I, I, want, I definitely want to, um, you know, because we're releasing it so differently. You know, we we started a Kickstarter because we're not on a label anymore, so we crowdfunded the project to pay for it. Um, and then we're releasing it differently. We're, we're releasing three songs, you know, every few, like two months. So we're trying to, that way we can have a year long kind of conversation with fans and with the community rather than, cause some, some thing, sometimes I really don't like how, you know, we just release an album, a full album and, you know, there's 12 songs on the album and, you know, it's it's for a month people are into it and then it's gone and then some songs get lost and the whole thing this way we can take our time and we can really explain the stories behind each song and make make sure each song doesn't get lost and then it'll culminate in the full fruitful darkness album you know at the beginning of next summer so i want to make sure that i have like all the songs together before showing them to her um, and I want to like, you know, present it properly to her and not, I, I want to make sure she likes it. <laughs> yeah, you should. That'll be a special moment. For yeah, sure. yeah, for sure. Well, I know, um, I, at, at the beginning or before we started recording, I, I told you I had a really geeky request <laughs> that mm. I was really hesitant to ask and I debated, I was asking my husband like back and forth should I ask or should I not and ultimately I did because I kind of I don't know why I think it's geeky I think I'm fangirling over here but before we we say goodbye would you want to maybe sing something for us yeah I can sing something from the new album or something yeah it's on the new album yeah something that speaks to you in this moment I think, uh, I so, oh, hold on, I'm trying to think. So we were just talking so much about astrology that there's a song on the album called Sagittarius, right? Yeah. And um, because I'm a double Sag, so that energy I was learning so much about and learning how to walk in my fire as the, um, as the uh, astrologer, had advised me to. Uh, so there's a song kind of about that, and I can sing the first little verse and chorus, and then you can tell me if it's good or not. <laughs> oh, I don't want to be the judge of that. Come on. <laughs> yes, we're just... Um, so. But it's, because it's talking about Saturn, it says, uh, um, break me out the pattern, the rings of Saturn, get me out of my way. I surrender mission to gain another vision. Get me out of my way. The stars, they be whispering, longing to be kindred. Get me out of my way. A true double seeker to find the inner teacher. Get me out of my way. I'm still learning how to walk in my fire. Live in my fire. Love in my fire. I'm still learning how to walk in my fire, live in my fire, love in my fire. Something like that. Oh, <laughs> thank you. That was so, that was so cool. beautiful. 
Loving my fire. That's a big one. Yeah, big yeah. Big lesson, big blessing all around. Thank you, Trevor, for coming on the show for the most oh, amazing, so, so. amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, so everyone listening, I'm sure you're already now as you're listening on Spotify or whatever device or however you're listening, but go check Trevor's first part, part one of The Fruitful Darkness. It's out mm. right now. Thank you, Trevor. Thank you. Lots of love. Lots of love. A huge thank you to my guest, Trevor Hall. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. You can find all of these on rachelbraithen.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you normally get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you are there. Huge thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And of course, thank you to my sponsors, Kapari, Bob's Red Mill, and Wink. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week.